Welcome back to another podcast where we delve into the mysterious and unexplained phenomena that have fascinated humans for centuries. In today's episode, we will explore some of the most intriguing and spine-tingling aspects of the paranormal world. From ancient folklore to modern-day sightings, these phenomena have captured the imagination of people across the globe and continue to spark curiosity and wonder in those who seek to understand the mysteries of the universe. So sit back, relax, and join us as we embark on a journey into the unknown, exploring some of the most fascinating and eerie aspects of the paranormal world. Welcome back to another episode of A Dead Letter. It's still January 29th, like if time stood still. (laughs) (laughs) The moments. (laughs) And I am again joined by Maria. Hey guys, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Hope you you guys enjoy these stories. I was 12 or 13 years old when this incident happened to me. I was lying in bed, getting ready to sleep. I was on my phone waiting for the sleepiness to strike. It was around 10 p.m. and I found myself still awake, staring at the ceiling. This time, it was eerily quiet. I couldn't hear anything from the outside. No cars, no crickets, nothing. I suddenly feel this immense weight being placed on my chest. I try to scream, but nothing comes out. I start to feel my breathing getting harder, so I struggle harder to get free. I manage to turn to one of my sides when I see a large shadow pacing back and forth on my doorway. It begins to snarl and growl, and I can see its red eyes going from left and right. I look above my doorway, and I see my wooden cross. I immediately start asking God, please help me, to make this thing go away. I manage to free myself and rush to my sister's room, where I slept the rest of the night. That morning, I told my mom what happened to me, and she played it off that I was on my phone too much. Later that day, I get home from school, and my mother pulls me to the side and tells me something strange happened to her in my room. She tells me she was fixing up my room when she started hearing heavy breathing behind her. She would turn around and towards the doorway, as that's where she felt it was coming from, but she saw no one. After she was done fixing my room, she headed over to my sister's room to do the same thing. And that's when she heard the sound of footsteps as if something was following her. That night, me and my sister slept in the living room. My mom left her door open so she could see us in case anything happened. We moved shortly after. Did they figure out what it was? I don't know. They moved shortly after. Oh, El Muerto? Probably. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what um, came up. Yeah. If anything, that cross above your doorway saved you from something much more worse than sleep paralysis. I'll be writing like little notes in there sometimes, so I forget. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, give some commentary, <laughs> like some spice to it. Just a little bit, you know? Because I, I, <clears throat> I know sometimes I, I, I be telling my friend, like, he always, they tell me like, oh, um, give your thoughts on him. Like, yeah, I give my thoughts and I'd be forgetting. <laughs> that's good, that's good. So I, I try to, you know, when I'm putting these up, I'm like, all right, this is what I thought about this kind of, you know? But yeah, that one, that one, at least for me, it gave me like chills. I was was picturing it and I was like, oh shit. I know. I used to see duendes. I remember the first time I saw one, I was about nine years old. I was outside my house playing when I saw a very short man peek out of the bushes and smile at me. 
This sent chills down my back, and I screamed. I told my mother about what I saw, and she told me to stay away from that. Duendes will try to lure you away, and will never see you again. That night, my mother had me sleep in the same room as her. A couple days after my encounter, my mother had her own encounter with the duende. She said she was in the kitchen preparing dinner when she heard laughter. She said it sounded like children laughter. She thought it was my younger brother and told him to wait for her in the living room. She looked over in the direction of the laughter and she saw a wrinkled face with a red cap looking at her from the doorway. She screamed and it vanished. Another night, my parents had a heated argument. My dad ended up sleeping in my brother's room. He said that during the night, he woke to the sounds of whispers. He was unable to make out what was being said, but he saw what appeared to be a short figure standing in the doorway. My dad got up, but the figure vanished down the hallway before he could catch it. That little motherfucker came in for you. Yeah. He was probably lucky his daddy was there. He would have taken him. would have taken him and raped the shit out of him. Damn. <laughs> You're bad. Uh, what does they do? They they either so they they lure children away. It's that whole little thing of wh- whether they're like, it's either they eat children or sacrifice. They they need them in order to like procreate or something. Either they turn mm-hmm. children into their own, you know, something like that. Well, the girls, right? Yeah. Not the guys. No, they take both of the kids. Really? Yeah. Well, they don't discriminate. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> I don't know how we began talking about the paranormal during the Royal Rumble. That should give you some point of context of when this, this story was told to me. But we did. Uh, my friend's mom began talking about her strange encounters, and we began to exchange stories. She said she worked at Rouse, if I'm not mistaken. She said her shift began at 3 a.m. Her routine, since she was the first one there, was to turn on the lights in the other departments. Her area was below ground, the basement level. So she would be the first one there, and she would always just turn on the lights, you know, just for visibility, you know, make it safer. Uh, one day, she forgot to turn the lights on, and while she was working in her area, she heard a loud crash, as if a large rack of kitchenware had fallen over. She was frightened and went back up to the first level and waited for another employee to arrive. Eventually, one of her coworkers arrived. He worked in the kitchen department. She asked him if he wanted help cleaning up the mess of pots and pans in the kitchen. He looked at her confused. She tells him that she, that when she arrived, she forgot to turn the lights on and heard a loud crash and assumed the whole rack fell in the kitchen. Her coworker informs her that nothing was out of place. Everything was where it needed to be and clean. There was no mess. She also added that in the aisles during the stocking time, there would be employees who would be restocking the shelves and they would usually be startled by a lone can of food rolling down the aisles when no one was around. No manches. Yeah. As the ghost slipped and fell. That's Osha right there. <laughs> Osha! <laughs> you guys got to make sure it's safe for everybody. Even the Were there cameras unliving. on this, on the lower level? Oh, I don't know. I didn't ask her. But you said you mentioned though that they had watched the cameras. So the cameras, uh, I know for sure they watched it for the aisles because mm. eventually, like like she said, she like they would throw like little little cans. Like I think she, she said it was tuna cans. Um, and instead of rolling like across from the aisles, you know how like across an aisle is just five feet, they would roll down the fucking aisle, and these aisles are like ten, fifteen feet like long. 
So they would they would they would assume someone's fucking with me. They would check the cameras, and there was nobody around them. Because we've been to Rouse, they technically to tend to be like pretty large stores, you know. So yeah. you would hear if someone was trying to run, you would hear them, you know. And they said like, yeah, they want to see shit. Yeah, but she was telling me, uh, forgot what she told me, but she told me that building was something else before, but I forgot. I think you mentioned like a. I don't know if it was like a theater or something, mm-hmm. um, but like I said, I assume it was a Rouse, you know, because I was drunk too. <laughs> when aren't you? Weekdays. Today's weekdays. <laughs> weekdays. Yeah. <laughs> Today doesn't count as Monday. And I guess I saved the best one for last. She also told me another one. During the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, my friend's mom began telling us what happened to the apartment after my cousins moved into their new house. And then these are the cousins I think I shared the story before where they moved into this house in the early 90s. And within the first week, they had like a visitor that would come at night and knock on their door. And these would look out and there was nobody. Eventually, they like blessed the house. And, you know, they got rid of it. Oh, now I know how it started. So I think my cousin, the one who lived in that house, I don't know how he jumped on it, but I think he started telling them that, yeah, in our old house, um, me and him were walking down towards the back, towards his uh, brother's room. And we saw like this lady uh, crawling on his wall, you know, and I think that's what's parked. Uh, crawling? I think, yeah, crawling. I think I put that shit in here. I don't know. I have to recheck, but I'm pretty sure I told it here. So whatever. That, that's kind of, I think that's how it kickstarted. Um so this one takes place in the 1990s. Um, and um, so his, his mom was telling us that after they moved out, uh, a new couple moved in. It was a Hispanic woman and a black man. Not, nah, not too long after they had moved in, like a very tragic incident occurred. Uh, the woman came home to find her partner dead in the master bedroom bathroom. That's a lot to say when I was typing this shit up. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> You know, the man had blown his brains out with a gun he had. The lady informed the landlord and it eventually moved out and new tenants came in. Um, the thing that she noted is that nobody would make it past like three or four months. Everyone would always say they would experience like strange things. Like they would hear footsteps on the stairs, crying from the second floor and unexplained stains all over the walls. Uh, the, property man- uh, the property manager uh, called the cleaning crew to clean up the apartment. When, you know, this incident happened, but unfortunately, like, they didn't do a good job as some of the wastewater uh, drained and dripped down to the apartment unit below uh, into their balcony, right? And this is wastewater with, like, blood, um, I think, fat and drips and stuff. Like, so they, they were kind of clean, but they kind of weren't. Like, I feel that they probably disposed of it wrong. So then the bottom neighbor also starts experiencing strange things. Um so it's because you see like all that stuff drift on her balcony. So she said that her balcony door started opening by itself at all random days and times. Um, she started um, she started to hear like unexplained noises. Um, and then she would see like a strange shadow on the balcony at random times of the night. And the activity intensified that she decided to call the priest to like bless the apartment. And then after the blessing, nothing else happened and pretty much went back to normal. And even the neighbors upstairs, like after those who's left, they they haven't left since. So they got new ones and that's it. They they haven't experienced anything else. They blessed both of the apartments or just mm, one? Just I think just one. And um, it just I assume it covered the whole area, yeah. you know. Hey, the power of God, bro, fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> covers the whole building. That's good. Yeah. But you just never know who experienced what, you know? And I guess I kind of feel bad because I feel like I should have probably stayed longer because I kind of dipped after the pay-per-view was. But I feel like I could have got more stories. But at the same time, like, ah, we're here to watch the pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but I feel like I probably need to go back and be like, hey, Doña, let's talk. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we'll get more. 
I think I had like a duende, but it's like a short story. If you want to share it, go for it. Shit ain't that easy, huh? No. (laughs) (laughs) Now you see why I fuck up. Um, There's one. She said there's a couple that had a baby and the baby was always very giggly. As he got older, parents realized that he will talk and look down to something and laugh. And things would be moved around the house. So the parents thought it was a duende because they never did anything evil. So I don't know. They're not evil? Um, I, I, well, look, from what I, the stories I've heard, mm-hmm. um, they're not evil per se, but they're mischievous, you know? Ah. Like, it's those ways, though, like, if you don't either give them offerings, they'll fuck with you, you know? They'll take your keys and you'll lose them for like a week. Man, they oh, take your them. kids too. Yeah. Well, they fucking, for some reason, they're attracted to children. Like I said, it's either they eat them or that's how they reproduce. It has to be something with that. But they didn't know? do anything to this baby. Just well, because the parent was probably there, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. a little short story about duende. Not bad. <laughs> so it looks like we come to the end of the episode, and I kind of wanted to close it out with a little legend, um, and it's uh, the legend of the little girl who prayed to Lucifer. So I don't know how, you know, it's a legend or how true it is, but it's apparently it's fucking recent, you know. So it's according to this legend, it happened in 2005 in Tijuana, Mexico, in an area of the city where time appeared to stand still. There lived a little girl who was so pure and innocent that no evil was found in her heart. The family were devoted Catholics and prayed in the morning, before meals, and before bed. One night, after the child had cleaned up and headed to bed, the mother followed behind. The mother saw how her little girl began to pray. The prayer was something like this. God, please take care of my mommy, my daddy, my brother, my grandparents, and also, please take care and guide Lucifer. Amen. The following day, the mother informed the father about the odd prayer their daughter would say at night. This led the father to get the local priest to observe the little girl. After observing her for a day, the priest found no evidence of demonic oppression or possession or any evil forces at play. The priest then heard the prayer and was horrified, but also amazed. The child was so pure, so innocent. The priest informed the parents to watch over their child. One tragic winter, the little girl grew ill. The family being so poor, they could not afford medical attention for her daughter. Her health grew worse, and the little girl passed away. The father, already filled with guilt, shame, and grief, was trying to find a way to give his daughter a proper burial. Word spread around town about the young girl's death, and one day, a large, beautiful, decorated carriage, being led by six majestic horses, approached the girl's home. The carriage was being guided by a young, light-skinned man in an elegant black suit. The man was extremely handsome and tall, and had eyes like raging embers. The man approached the family and asked to be led to the body. The family agreed. When the man reached the body, he gently picked up the body, trying his hardest to hold back the tears. He placed her in the carriage and took her to a local church, where he informed them a vigil was taking place in her honor. Upon arriving, sitting in the front, crying for the girl, was a young man. No one knew who this man was or where he came from. As the vigil continued, the man continued to cry inconsolably. The family was in awe in the decorative coffin that was provided for their daughter. As the child's body was lowered down into the grave, this man let out a terrifying cry. 
that scared even the hardest of men. As if he had read their minds, he began to speak. All of my life, I have been called many things, horrible things. I was made out to be the enemy of all. But this child, who was full of love, would still pray for me, even though she was punished for it. She never stopped. Building his courage, the father finally asked who the man was. Building his courage, the father finally asked who the man was and why he cried so much for his daughter. The man revealed that if they wanted to know who he was, they would just have to remember who his daughter prayed for last every night. The man turned around and walked into the woods, disappearing in front of everyone. That's it for today's episode of A Dead Letter. If you have a parental story to share, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through the Instagram page, A underscore dead underscore letter underscore podcast. But before we head out, um, show some love to Bull Talk by Joe, The Thing About Us, The League of Kings, Sinister Studios, Shadows in the Attic, The Parallel Boys, Marmol Games, Brutal Bizarre Boozy, The Total Conundrum Podcast, and Beyond the Shadows Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to these podcasts. Until next time, keep your mind open and sleep with one eye open.